Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's program on the TBS and on Zoom. Today's program is called The Importance of Staying Cognitively and Socially Connected During COVID, and we're happy to have two psychologists with us today, Rachel Z. Goodman, PhD, and Harriet Greenstone, MA, OPQ, PhD. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Danielle. Hi, everybody. We're very excited to be here with you and with the Coates and Luke Library, which is a home away from home for my family, certainly. Uh, I am going to introduce myself and, and Harriet, and we're going to kind of go back and forth between the two of us in this talk uh, using the slides uh, for reference and talking. And at the end, you will have a chance to ask questions. So my name is Dr. Rachel Goodman. I'm a clinical psychologist and my colleague, Dr. Harriet Greenstone, also a psychologist. We are colleagues that work together in several different capacities. We're both in private practice and we are also the co-associate directors of the Alzheimer's Risk Assessment Clinic at the Jewish General Hospital, also known in its short form as ARAC. Uh, we are here to discuss ways to stay mentally healthy during COVID-19 with a special focus on social and cognitive connections. Research shows that being with others is good for our cognitive and mental health. But now during COVID, we are being told and instructed to stay away from other people, which is not great for our mental or cognitive health. So we want to discuss with you what we can all do to fight this isolation and its results. And we have been working on teaching some of these protective factors, which are also protective factors to dementia at ARAC. And many, if not all of them are relevant here to share. So we're going to be doing that today. Harriet, did you wanna hey. add something? Thank you. Yeah, uh, just to say a little bit about my background. My background is in psychology and in education. And I'm a professor. Um, in counseling psychology. And so my first, the, the beginning of my present, our presentation will be on education. So one of the most important um, areas that we want to talk about today is, is knowing, um, knowing what to do, finding information, knowledge is power, um, and the idea of knowing how to find good information, because every single slide here, plus a lot more, we could talk for hours on end. So we'll give you a taste of what you might want to look at, what is important. And especially when speaking for the Coast St. Luke Library, um, education is power, it's freedom. And so the, and the beautiful thing about learning is that no one can take it away from you. The other area that's really important to think about is that anxiety often comes from an intolerance to uncertainty. And during COVID-19, it is a very, very uncertain time. One of my clients said that now the rest of the world understands what she goes through every day. And so we're all feeling anxiety, some of us more than others. And for emotional health and for cognitive health, we need to find ways to reduce that anxiety. So we'll be talking about different ideas um, throughout this hour. The other area that I want to just focus on a little bit is the idea of balance. And everything is about balance. And, and uh, Dr. Goodman and I were talking a lot about um, the idea of, for example, technology. We're always trying to say don't use too much technology, but right now technology is our lifeline. And so how do we balance this? How do we balance between emotion and reason? 
between caring about yourself and taking care of yourself, self-compassion and caring for others, working and having fun, relaxing and keeping busy, time alone with yourself and loving yourself and treating yourself well and socializing and accepting and changing. So those are a little bit of the underlying themes of today. Um, Back to you, Rachel. So we wanna talk about the importance of keeping a regular schedule. And we've always known this, but when it came to COVID in March, when we were all sent home, uh, that was kind of thrown to the air and having a regular schedule was very hard, whether you were suddenly isolated at home by yourself or whether you um, had to bring your work home or you had kids who were um, studying at home or not in school at all and having to manage that. So uh, we, we think it's really important to try to keep a semblance of a regular schedule. You do wanna try to wake up and go to sleep at a regular time. Um, I know that when we're on vacation or on the weekend, a lot of times people find this to be um, something that isn't important, but we're not on vacation. We've been doing this for eight months already and uh, we wanna try to keep that schedule. Obviously, it's important to eat regular meals. I know there's a lot of jokes about the COVID-19 that we may have gained or more or less or not at all. But um, it's important uh, for your mental and physical health to be eating healthy meals and snacks and not kind of snacking all day. We want to set aside time for exercise. I'm not going to get into detail now about what kind of exercise. We'll talk about that later, but that we do want to set aside time for that. And to give ourselves breaks. If you're working at home, it's very important to kind of give yourself the break, just like you would hopefully get at your regular job, where you maybe get a 15-minute break, or you get a break away from the office. And now, because your home may be your office, you're not getting that break, so you have to institute it yourself. And of course, self-care, which we're going to be talking a lot about, but making sure to put time in your schedule for that. Uh, Getting enough sleep can be a challenge. Uh, especially for an older population. Sometimes there are just um, regular reasons why people get up in the middle of the night, whether it's um, because of their bladder or because of other reasons medically why they're they're getting up. Uh, but try whatever you can to set a routine for your sleep and, and to get enough sleep. And if you're working from home or you have kids at school that are online, you also want to make a dedicated space for work. Even if it's at your dining room table and you don't have a separate office, uh, some people are fortunate, but a lot of people are not, uh, try to set a dedicated space where you can walk away from that office, so to speak, and not be working all the time. We're going to move to the next slide. (laughs) We want to talk about physical engagement. Uh, Physical engagement is crucial when it comes to obviously physical health. And what we say at ARAC is that most, if not all recommendations that we would make for somebody's physical health or cardiac health are things that we recommend for somebody's cognitive health and emotional health as well. So as we were saying before, regular exercise is important. The benefits of it are that it helps to manage stress, release built up tension and improve your mood. Exercise brings adrenaline to the brain, which I like to call a happy hormone. Uh, You can do exercise at home. We know that a lot of people are very frustrated at having lost their gym. Uh, I know in Cote St. Luke, there's an amazing gym opportunity for um, 
people at the ACC. And that's been closed, sadly, like all other gyms. Uh, but there are things that you can do at home, like simple exercises indoors or outdoors. You can follow video training. Some of these gyms are having um training at home where you can sign up for memberships. There's tons of free things on YouTube, uh, but it's really important. And if you do have something at home, whether it's an actual machine like a treadmill or a bike, or even just cans of soup where you can use them like weights, if you don't have any, use what you have. It's wonderful to walk outside when possible. I think the fresh air and the little vitamin D that we do get in Canada makes a difference to get your body moving. We want to eat regular meals and healthy food to stabilize our blood sugar. Um, as I said before, we can get carried away with snacking all day when we're stuck inside and don't even realize that we're doing this. Sleep is, of course, crucial to mental and cognitive health. You want to get enough sleep. Um, watch out for napping too much. It can, it can affect your sleep. Um, you want to use good sleep hygiene, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but the idea of having a bedtime routine where you allow yourself to slow down, to recognize that it is nighttime, that you want to be giving your brain the message that it's time to fall asleep. You want to get up and go to sleep at the same time every day, as we said before. Do not use your bed for anything except what it's actually meant for. Um, many of us are lying in our bed, talking on the phone, watching TV, scrolling on our, on our phones, and then wonder why we're overstimulated and can't fall asleep. So those things should be done outside of the bedroom. And if you can't fall asleep, the idea is to get out of your bed after about 20 minutes and go do something else, not overly stimulating, and then come back. Of course, you want to avoid using alcohol and drugs to cope with stress. Uh, we know that, you know, there's been lots of jokes on, on um, social media and in the newspaper and otherwise about uh, drinking and having a glass of wine, which, by the way, we do recommend at ARAC having one glass of wine for a woman and up to two for men um, per day. But you don't want that to exceed, you know, a certain number. And uh, if you're drinking it for your health, cognitive health, cardiac health, that's okay. If you're using it to handle your stress, which Harriet will talk about later, then that's not the best coping skill. Next slide. So we'll talk about nutrition now. Um, and I just want to say with all these tips, sleep, nutrition, all that we're talking about, and we do refer to ARAC where we have wonderful research about risk factors and protective factors and, and keeping our brain going well for a long, long time. It's never too early and it's never too late. So we can't see our audience. We don't know your ages. But it doesn't matter. It's always good to, to develop these lifestyles and to actually even use COVID as a time to Think about different recipes to um, try out new recipes. And I'm going to talk about senses a little bit. So the idea of taste and smell to stimulate them and, and to, you have the time, maybe, maybe you don't because maybe you're working from home with the children at home and lots more going on, but try to take that time and pay a little attention to what you're eating and what you're doing. So some, just a few examples, coffee, I was thrilled. I'm sorry. I just want to know to remind you about the exercise that you wanted to put in. I have that with, with that later. Okay, go ahead. 
Super. Yeah, we're going to do an exercise. We're not going to eat during the food one, but we're going to exercise shortly. <laughs> um, so dark chocolate, fatty fish, omega-3s, eggs, green tea, spices like turmeric, fruits like blueberries, oranges, broccoli, uh, nuts. Keep in mind, again, the theme of balance. Not too much, not too little, and variety. Very, very short. I could talk for hours on this, this diagram that, I, that I've put together to kind of talk about the brain and environment. Um, but just to give an idea, we're taking in stimulation um, from all of our senses, and we want to keep all of those senses alive. And there's a lot of research to show that de developing your senses um, really, really makes new connections in your brain and increases um, the energy and the life in, in, in those connections. Uh, one of the scary symptoms, I hate to say, but of COVID and people are seeing how important the senses are is that people have lost at least temporarily the sense of smell and the sense of, of taste. So, and, and people don't realize how much we use it or, and don't pay attention to it. So the seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing things, Feeling touch is so important, your balance and your proprioception. So we used to always talk about five senses, but in recent years, we've learned that your balance and your body in space are also senses. And all of this is coming in through the environment and you want to filter out what you don't need and you want to focus in and pay attention to what you do need and use. And then it basically goes through the brain to get to the front part of the brain, the frontal lobe, which is where we're making our decisions. And these in and out between the individual and the environment are in two-way two -way, um, connections. So just to give us an idea, and then I'll be talking more about um, some of the sensory experiences. So sensory diets, this is something that was first talked about with children who have sensory integration difficulties. So difficulties processing, interpreting, and, and using what comes in through their senses. And sometimes they're overly sensitive to it and sometimes not enough. So you have somebody who's like smelling harder or touching stronger because they need to feel it. And we realize that that's not just for children, it's for adults too. And not just when there's a problem, but all the time, we need a good, healthy sensory diet. And if I look at social, um, having social engagement, which is so important, um, during COVID, we've made a lot of good uh, alternatives using Zoom. Uh, we've even found out things like, you know what, we can invite people from around the world to our dinner table or to our holiday or birthday celebration. And that's something we don't want to give up on. But we're losing all the sensory experiences. It's a lot of fun to, to see my grandchildren, thank God, on Zoom. Um, and we've done things together. I send them recipes and we cook together. We've done all kinds of fun stuff together. But that hug, we need that hug. And there, there is, an of course, it's a better hug from those we love. But if you're living alone, hug yourself. It will actually have some of the same um, physical to brain to emotional connections. Um, Massage your hands with, with a lotion, something like lavender, which is very relaxing. So take care of your sensory needs, your smells, your tastes, your, your touch. Listen to music, the value of music I, I, we could talk about for hours. Um, so think about calming, organizing activities and keep in mind it's individual. It's different for different people. 
something that will calm one person will totally irritate another. Uh, so figure it out and, and, and for yourself and, and use it. Choose your sensory meals and your sensory snacks. So you, we make sure to eat on our nutrition. We've talked about nutrition, um, but you also need to, to fulfill your sensory needs, hunger. So a long run, a workout, a bubble bath. And you'll notice that, that we're, Rachel and I are overlapping in our own slides and each other's slides because this all overlaps and that's the important part. Sensory snacks might be listening to a music, a shorter walk, a cup of coffee. I, I've gotten into my, my decadent thing is um, warming up some almond milk with cocoa, healthy, not too much sugar, to put it in a big, pretty mug. And I think I'm giving myself a huge treat. Um, identify environmental supports, find your hideout spaces. You need people, but you also need that time alone, that quiet time, and choose your leisure activities. So the next thing, next area is cognitive engagement, and that's exercising the brain. And we're learning more and more how brain training and um, brain activities, really, you can stimulate the brain. You can develop the brain more, you can rehabilitate, rehabilitate the brain, and again, never too soon, never too late. So I'm going to take a moment, and I can't see you, um, but I hope you're going to participate, and we're going to do a mind-body exercise. So one of the things with cognitive engagement is we used to know the brain helps the body, but we now know that the body also sends input to the brain and helps the brain, and they work well together. And some really good brain training is where you're doing both. So I can't see you. I hope you're doing it, but I want you to stand up, get out of your seats, find a little bit of room, and I want you to jump up and down while you count backwards from 60s by 5. And I might even stand up. I wasn't going to, but you stand up. You generate, you, gen you jump, and you go 60, and then 55, and then 50. So go. And hopefully you're at zero, and you're feeling good, and you're sitting down again. How do we do how do we develop cognitive engagement and connections by directing what new information our brain learns we can facilitate changes in how we think and function strengthen our weaknesses keep our strengths and forge new neural pathways and so simple ideas like walk to your destination backwards Brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand. If you're right-handed, brush your teeth with your left hand. Try different things, make new connections, um, and have some fun. Social engagement. So social opportunities have definitely changed because of COVID, but they are now even more important than before. And when we started hearing about social distancing, I found myself becoming very upset. This is totally against everything that as psychologists we talk about. The importance of socialization and social connections, and it's one of the things that we're talking about today. And then we're using this term across the board, uh, everywhere in the media, to talk about the way to be safe. This was even before masks came out, was to distance yourself, social distancing. 
Well, we do not want to social distance. We want to physically distance ourselves. And that means not isolating ourselves from people, but just keeping a physical distance from people. And I read an article that used this term, which since I've adopted as my own, called distant socialization, which means we can still socialize even if we're six feet away or if we're on Zoom or on the phone with our family members or friends, but we're not taking away the social aspect. And I think that's really important. We can stay connected by video or phone like we're all doing now. FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp, video, all different kinds of systems that people have discovered. And I will say what I've really been impressed with is um, the older generation who often in the past have not been comfortable. That's not true for everybody, but have not been comfortable with uh, technology have now almost been forced to become more comfortable. And it may be with the help of a family member or a friend, but are using technology more and it's opening up their world for those who are able to. Uh, We have virtual meetings, we can have dinner dates. As Harriet mentioned before, we can now have reunions and invite, as she said, people from our family that are not in our house or in our neighborhood to be able to come for dinner with us. I realize it's not the same. It's not the same having a Passover Seder like we talked about, whether it's on Zoom or um, or a Hanukkah candle lighting on Zoom or on the phone. We're not going to pretend it's the same. But when you tell yourself it's no good, it's not enough, and then you don't do it, then you're really losing out. Um, it's really important to share your feelings with others. A lot of times when people are isolated or living alone, they... Um, are not saying that they are having trouble because they don't want to be a burden to their family or to their friends. And it's very important to say to somebody, to your support system, yes, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling lonely, I'm having a hard day. You can share funny videos. This is one thing that did come out of COVID that I think humor has been a release of tension for us. And whether it's a video or sending a newspaper clipping or whatever it might be, funny stories, really important. Uh, One thing I've noticed is the upsurge in people volunteering um, in any way, shape or form to help others out there. And I know many of us were volunteers before, but this has increased enormously. And obviously, that's because of the need that has grown in so many aspects of the community and the world. But I think it's also because we realize that when we might be feeling down, if we have somebody else that we can feel responsible for, it helps us to feel good and connected, especially if you know somebody who's quarantined or is elderly or both, and you can offer any help, even if it's a phone call or dropping off food at the door, whatever it might be can really be helpful both to that person, obviously, but to us as well. Next slide, please. So we talk a lot in the kind of therapy that we practice, cognitive behavioral therapy, about reframing your thinking. And this is something we've been talking about for a long time, but now I'm hearing it more come out in the general public since COVID started. And obviously there is a very big frustration with the situation that we're in. And I don't want to diminish that just to frustration, but for anybody who may have been ill or God forbid, lost a family member, 
that's a very serious trauma and not belittling that at all and how difficult that is for, for those individuals. And you may be one of those people. Uh, but in light of the general public um, and the idea of getting frustrated or upset at how long this has been going on, and it's really been a marathon so far. And yes, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel now with the potential vaccines, but we're still in this right now for the long haul. So we do want to acknowledge that being isolated from our family and friends, from our work, from our community is hard. And first and foremost, we need to be kind to ourselves and just allow for that feeling. But after allowing for it, now we want to kind of try to move on and say, let's focus on what we can do instead of what we cannot do. So if all we're doing is spending all our time saying, I'm stuck inside, I can't go to my family for dinner, I can't go to a restaurant, I can't go to, to the gym, whatever it might be, um, it's very easy to feel bad for yourself. But if you can focus on what you can do, I can go for a walk, I can call my friend, um, if you're alone, I can have a visitor, etc. We now have a lot of extra time at home, maybe not as much as we did in March and April, uh, but we do have a lot of extra time at home and it's easy to become bored and lonely. But instead, maybe we can think about what can we do with that time? And is there something that you've always wanted to do in your home that you just haven't had the chance or always wanted to learn a new skill? And I believe Harriet alluded to this, um, which we talk about in Eric all the time. It's never too late to learn a new skill. And uh, we can learn a new language. We can pick up a musical instrument. We can learn to paint or to draw or whatever else it might be. Um, but I will say one caveat to that, which on a personal level, I felt a lot of pressure at the beginning of Corona when people were sharing their experiences with learning how to bake sourdough and to do woodworking and to create tons of things that they had not done before and personally, I was quite busy working and not able to do all of these new things and busy at home with my kids and otherwise. And you may be in a similar situation. So yes, we're encouraging you to try new things and to um, think a little bit differently about what you can do, but not to have that pressure to suddenly be super productive. We are in a pandemic. This is a rough time. We do need to be kind to ourselves. So again, try to enjoy things that you don't usually have time to do. Try to remind yourself, it's hard sometimes, but that following the government guidelines to isolate is actually a socially generous act and a gesture of community, and that we are taking care of each other and not just of ourselves. Super. So coping with stress, I'm just gonna take a moment because I was going very quick watching the time and I see I've got a couple of minutes. <laughs> So I love to tell a story about an uncle of mine um, who actually was in Cote Saint Luc most of his life, and he was he loved music and he was really good on the violin. Um, but he did his job and he needed to work. And when he retired at sixty-five, he started his music career, which went for thirty-two years, and his brain was so intact all the time, all the time. I spoke to him two weeks before the end of his life and we had an amazing conversation with jokes, by the way, with jokes, by the way. Um, and uh, the, the idea 
that it's never too late. And I was going to say what I'm going to say. And then I listened to Rachel say about don't put pressure on yourself. And it's true. You do not have to start a new career during the pandemic. However, it is a time if you wanted to try taking up an instrument or learning how to bake or, or doing something that you always wanted to do. You don't have to become a uh, a professional or expert at it, but you may have tr fun in the process. And the other um, concept is the concept of I can't yet. So changing I can't to I can, this is from work on mindsets, which um, is the idea of not giving up or thinking you can't or that that the talents and intellect is, is very fixed, but that it, we can always grow. And I'm thinking the concept of not yet is a nice one also to use during COVID. So rather than I can't, what I can do, but also rather than I can't do it, the idea of um, I can't do it yet. I can't go out and do this yet. I can't have this party yet, but hopefully the end, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and we, will, we will see it hopefully soon. And, and, and that gives us some hope and balance. So how do we cope with stress? This is always, and especially now, understand your triggers and the signs of stress and anxiety. And again, I talked about right at the beginning with balance, the idea of change and accept. And I always go back to the serenity prayer. Um, you know, God grant me the, and I mix up the wisdom and the strength, uh, the strength and the, and the um, courage, but the courage to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So there's certain things with COVID that we absolutely, we can't change. We have to try to reduce our stress and, and deal with it. And it is quite, there are stress, definitely stressful aspects and, and periods where you're going to be going through more stress than others. Um, but then there's other triggers that maybe we can avoid that will help us to keep, keep the stress down. Because basically, if you think of it, you have this pot that you can put stress in. And some of our pots are bigger than others. And we can all deal with it. And some of us can deal with more than others. But everybody's pot can overflow. So we want to make sure that we don't throw too much into the pot. And we want to learn techniques that maybe there's just this little hole at the bottom of the pot so that some of the anxiety kind of seeps out. So knowing the triggers and the signs and changing the ones that we can. Enhancing your life management skills. So goal setting, problem solving, decision making, time management. These are all important, especially now. So many of us have to make major changes in how we work and how we live and how the whole family functions. Um, so having a plan and an idea and not getting stressed out if it doesn't go exactly to plan. So that's the idea of, of balance, planning, but not over planning. Develop relaxation skills, which we're going to practice one today, but there's many. And there, we're learning more and more about mindfulness skills, pro progressive relaxation techniques, breathing, just taking a moment to smell the flowers, to live in the here and now. So we want to develop these relaxation um, skills um, and learn to control your reactions to regulate. I like regulate better than control. Regulate your reactions to events and situations in a healthier manner, which will be good for your emotional self, good for your mind, good for your body. So I thought we would take a few minutes now, and this time you can sit or stand or lie down. And I want you to put one hand on your chest, the other hand on your diaphragm, on your stomach. And um, we learn this in, in proper speaking and singing, but we should be doing it all the time. 
close your eyes. I, I was going to put on music, but um, actually, you know what? No, we'll leave it. Um, and I won't sing to you, I promise. Uh, so close your eyes, one hand on the chest, one hand on the diaphragm, and breathe without, I'm not giving you instruction, I just want you to take five deep breaths, and then we'll talk. So one, breathe in, and out. Two. I'll let you go three to five on your own so you can go at your own speed. Now, I won't know an answer from you, um, but pay attention to whether it was your hand on your chest or your hand on the diaphragm that was going up and down more. Many of you will find it's the chest. I know it took me a long time to learn how to breathe properly, and I had been breathing for a long time before that, but most of us do tend to breathe through our chest, and that is not deep, good breathing, and it certainly doesn't relax the brain, relax the mind. So you want to breathe in through your nose, feel your diaphragm filling as if it's a balloon, hold it to the count of five, and then breathe out through your mouth. And I encourage you to practice that, put music on in the background. Um, there are so many YouTube videos. I, I, I joke that, that YouTube is my co-therapist. There are so many YouTube uh, videos that you can find that will teach you these different techniques. Um, try them out. It really will help you emotionally. It will strengthen and focus your mind. Research, I, if somebody had told me at the beginning of my, my career that I would be teaching mindfulness, meditation, I would have said, that's ridiculous, that's fluffy, I'm a scientist. But science is showing and neuroimaging is is um, reinforcing the idea and, and really showing objective measures that energy is taken away from the amygdala, which is your little almond-shaped part of your brain, that's your flight and fight center, and bringing more energy to the hippocampus, which is your area of concentration and memory. So really, really an important technique to use. And we find some people say they can't do it, they can't, they can't concentrate, their mind's going all over the place. That's one of the points. That's why it's so important. And so you can count your breaths, you can listen to the video instructing you. One um, technique that I found that works really nicely is your mind is all cluttered now. So think that when the air that comes in is very clear air, and what blows out is dark, chocolatey, mucky, and then you bring in clear air and you just visualize the colors as the brown goes to beige and to cloudy white and, and lighter and lighter until the air that you're blowing out is as clear as the air that you're blowing in and sort of focus on that. So there's many different um, techniques that you can use, but breathing, tensing and relaxing, mindful thinking, um, living in the here and now, these are all really good um, techniques for reducing stress. I'm just going to add then, something to the breathing, if that's okay, Harriet. Of course. So um, I too do this with every one of my clients. 
and uh, again, had no idea that I would be using mindfulness and meditation, but the breathing exercise I've been using for a long time, we call this diaphragmatic breathing. And just from a scientific perspective, which Harriet definitely mentioned, but I work a lot with trauma and with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which you may have heard of. And people who have been traumatized are in a state, like Harriet described, of uh, fight or flight. Um, and what happens is that in your brain, we have two systems. One is called the sympathetic nervous system and one is called the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is when your brain is in that ready to go mode. Either I need to run away from this dangerous situation or I need to fight it or I'm going to freeze. That's the newest part that we've learned. But we are in this heightened state of awareness. And when we don't even realize it, that we are not breathing properly and engaging in this kind of breathing exercise, in specific, the exhalation, as Harriet taught you, the breathing out through your mouth and emptying your diaphragm is what leads to the parasympathetic nervous system to turn on in your brain. That is where the message comes from that says everything is safe. My system can turn off. I can go back into safety mode and your whole body physiologically relaxes. So sometimes I'll have people do this and they say, oh, I feel dizzy now. Well, what's happening is your body is relaxing to a point where it's almost falling asleep. And uh, I'm not saying we should, it feels good to feel dizzy, but um, I, I encourage people, I know Harriet encourages people to use this exercise twice a day, every day from a prevention perspective, not just an intervention perspective when you're in a mode of feeling nervous or anxious, but to prevent ourselves from having, it's normal to have stress, but to have anxiety and to say, I'm going to take care of myself. That's what we're doing in ARAC and in our private practices. Of course, we're meeting people and we're seeing people who are in trouble but we also, both of us, are very passionate about prevention and wellness. Excellent. Thank you. And I just went back to the slide because you were talking about breathing, but also our pictures covered the picture that I hope you see on my slide. And I, we, I should leave an ending on a positive note, but I want us to look at that slide. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, my goodness, um, is that what I look like at 1 a.m.? But that's a really good reminder of Coffee is good, but we don't want it intravenously, and we certainly don't want it at bedtime. And we, we want to turn off the technology, and we want to relax. You want to give yourself time before changing your mental states. And so um, that's why that picture, when I found that, I loved it with coping with stress. And so now we're going to just take a moment to summarize and a few take-home messages, um, which we've kind of been throwing in as we go along, but Rachel... Um, I just realized that my battery is low, so I'm going to go under my table and plug it in. Um, too bad we can't give ourselves extra energy that quickly. Uh, <laughs> and why don't you do some of the take-home messages? So I, I think what we've been talking about is first and foremost, acknowledging that we are living through, I'll use the word that is constantly used, an unprecedented time. And we have to acknowledge what this is doing to us in terms of our mental health. Uh, from my perspective, and I know Harriet agrees, this has been wonderful. 
ironically, not just for our business, but for the um, knowledge of the world in general about mental health and how important it is in our general health and that we need to use prevention techniques and to be aware when we're not feeling well and to respond in kind using stress management techniques and watching our sleep and watching what we eat and physical exercise. And of course, the social and cognitive connections that we've been talking about this whole time. But for me, it's really been wonderful to see the world wake up and see the importance and acknowledge that mental health is important and that mental health disorders need to be recognized and that we all struggle with this, as opposed to usually um, we've been living with the stigma of mental illness. And now, as Harriet mentioned about her client, which I've had many clients say the same thing, oh, now everybody understands where I'm coming from. We have all gone through anxiety. I don't think any one of us has not experienced some level of anxiety throughout this pandemic. I would say anxiety was at the forefront of COVID-19 when we first were locked in in March and April and May and June. And now that we're having to do this marathon and go through, especially living in Montreal, this winter um, with, yes, as I said, a little light at the end of the tunnel, but knowing that it's not over yet and now we're stuck inside our homes and it's getting colder, um, there's more symptoms of depression rather than anxiety. And uh, we have to watch for that and make sure that we are trying to use some of the tools that we talked about and that you don't have to have a mental illness in order to be engaging in these techniques and in these recommendations, that these are just general recommendations for the general public and that we all fall into these categories. Great, and basically just lots of suggestions um, lots more out there. Go online if you can. Um, get different information. Be cautious. That's why I started with education. Be cautious because you can read a lot of stuff that, that they'll say this will, will, will help and it doesn't. Then again, if there's no harm, so what if you eat a few more blueberries or uh, have an, an extra cup of tea? Uh, try some of this. Realize that we can prevent a lot that there, you can have depressive or anxious symptoms, but not have an anxiety or a depressive disorder. But that doesn't mean that you want to wait until it is a disorder before you reach out for help. And as Rachel said, don't be afraid to reach out for help. People are afraid to say that they feel depressed or that they feel anxious. Um, ask for help, reach out for cognitive engagement um, and be good to yourself. I'm going to take the. I'm going to take it away. We're getting. Um, I'm going to take the slideshow away. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to add. When we say reach out for help, I think we're talking generally about reaching out to our support system. But of course, uh, if you feel that what you're doing isn't enough, and the recommendations that we gave today, and that you may get from other places, are not enough. You can seek extra help, and many mental health professionals are now offering virtual therapy. I would say most are. 
and you don't have to go in person if you don't feel comfortable. Some are seeing people in person, but this virtual therapy has opened up a world of opportunities for uh, for people to be able to be seen. And even if you are um, isolated or you're quarantining for your own uh, medical risk factors or you're a senior and you're being extra careful as you should be, uh, there are many mental health professionals that are working virtually. And there are many resources in the community, even if you don't want to go to an individual therapist, but so many resources in the community for mental health treatment. Danielle, do you want to go to the questions and answers? Hi, Rachel. I'm not seeing any questions right now, but sometimes it takes just a moment for them to appear in the chat. So what have been some of your uh, best uh, trips, uh, I'm sorry, tips and tricks, both Rachel and Harriet, can you share with us? Best tips and tricks in terms of what? For staying optimistic during this pandemic. I think that um, that's really what we've been talking about this entire time, uh, focusing on you know, what you can do and using those skills. I, I think that it's really important, as we said in the title, to stay socially connected and to see that there are other people who are able to be upbeat and to remember um, that you might have a down day, but the next day it might be a little bit better. And as Harriet's like, there's always tomorrow, not to be cliche, but um, you know, we change from moment to moment and you are allowed to have a, a difficult moment or a difficult day. And we obviously all have times where it's more than a day at a time, sometimes longer. And when we're going through very big challenges. But I think right now it, it's hard not to be a little bit excited about this vaccine. I'm not trying to be overly optimistic. I know in Canada we're not getting it as quickly as in the United States, but we are going to be getting it at some point. And that does give us a little bit of hope that we can look to. And we need to kind of look at hope of, okay, the holidays are coming up. Whatever holiday you do celebrate, whatever your religion or your background or whatever it might be, your culture, there's something right now. And it's very easy to get focused on, again, what you can't do and what we would normally do and how this is going to be different. But to say to yourself, okay, this year I'm going to figure out how to make different better. And I'm doing this now because I want to be able to celebrate next year with my family and friends. Our, our family has used our new term is new traditions. We're replacing old traditions temporarily, we hope, but with new traditions. And so, and so again, Zoom play dates with the children, the grandchildren, um, doing arts and crafts or the same activity together, but in different locations. Um, it's, it's missing a lot of the sensory, but a lot of the love and a lot of the social engagement is there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm home more than I ever was working, but home more than, than I ever was. I'm organizing pictures and doing things like that, which memories can be so, so heartwarming. Um, phone calls, Zoom coffees, or Zoom wine, whatever your preference, and coffee and wine are both good for your mind in moderation. So really trying to create 
um, some ideas and then accepting it sometimes, just sort of taking the moment and trying to enjoy the quiet, the the less traffic, <laughs> trying to look at some of the positive. And Rachel, you said it so well. I'm always so cautious to say that there's parts of COVID that I'm enjoying because there are people who have suffered terribly from COVID and we don't want to minimize that. Um, but really trying to see the little positives that we can find. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Harriet. Definitely some, some great tips to keep us uh, in a positive mind frame. And I appreciated yours, uh, Harriet, when you said you like to make an almond milk and put some hot cocoa, <laughs> make it special in a nice mug. That's a, a great idea for all of us. Thank you. <laughs> I bought a fire pit and we toasted marshmallows and made s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you both. Uh, I think our audience is a little shy today because I'm not seeing anything, but uh, it was much appreciated for you to share your time and your expertise for us. And we will try our best uh, to remember and practice some of your best uh, tips. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you, Harriet. Thank you for having us. Have a great rest of your day. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.